prayer and lifting them up. And then I want you to be, this is a little bit of a prayer and a praise. Yesterday we had a prayer request for Eric and Destiny Pell. And I know many of you, and I meant to mention it this morning, but I got carried away with things. You know how that gets. Uh, but the baby is doing very well. Uh, he, was, uh, he was born last night, five pounds, just over five pounds, and he's doing very well. Mom and baby are doing well, and so we praise the Lord for that. And uh, Nikki wanted us to just thank the church for everybody praying. She believes it was really God's prayers that made the difference, uh, and the baby's doing great. Uh, and then we want to be praying for Evie Duval. Uh, she had to go back uh, to the hospital. She was in the hospital for a while. Quite a little bit of complicated things, but please be praying for her. Uh, they do seem to figure out what was going on, but it sure was a stressful uh, couple of days. And uh, please be lifting Evie up in prayer. I know that she will and all of them will appreciate it. We also want to be praying for Preston Moore. This is my grandfather's brother, Brother Preston Moore. He pastored for many years in, uh, in uh, Peachtree Road Baptist Church, but he's not doing well. He's in the hospital. Uh, and to be honest, it just doesn't look like uh, he's going to uh, be with us much longer. So be praying for the family and lifting them all up. And I know that uh, they'll all greatly appreciate that. So be lifting them up. All right, we're going to open up in a word of prayer this evening and just ask the Lord to bless us. What a great time of worship we had this morning. The Lord just met with us in a real way, and it was a blessing. I'm going to ask Brother Gwen if he would just stand up and open us up in a word of prayer. Stand by faith. 
faith on heaven's table land, a higher plane that I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. Last verse. I want to scale the utmost heights and catch a gleam of glory bright. But still I'll pray till heaven I found. Lord, lead me on to Just a couple of announcements we want to remember. We're going to get our ushers. Come on, look at them, ready and raring to go. Yeah, that was you, Junior. Yeah. All right, getting them up here, our young ushers again. And uh, just remember these uh, announcements for the week. Youth Group and Discovery Club, we start back up on Tuesday night, 6.30 to 8.30. Thursday night, the Cornhole, uh, they're going to be doing that again, the Cornhole League, about Thursday, January the 18th. Make sure we got that right. If you got any questions, you can see TJ and Kelly about that. Uh, young Adults Bible Study, Friday, January 19th. Don't forget that. And then WMU meeting, January 21st. Men's Devotion Night, February the 2nd. And then it's really not too early to start marking your calendar, but March 10th through the 15th, we're going to have our spring revival. We're going to kick it off at the beginning of the week with Travis Kerlock and... Uh, Mary Beth and Andrew Jones will be with us, and then we'll close it out this year. Instead of having two meetings separate, we'll close it out with the exposition conference, and that way those are two together. And uh, so we'll have Pastor Stephen Cox with us. We'll have Kogan East with us. Uh, we'll have Dale Vance with us. And so we're looking forward to that and what the Lord will do. And those week, we'll also Thursday and Friday have morning sessions over in the fellowship hall. And those are just a blessing that uh, pastors have been coming out to and just folks from around. And uh, we thank the Lord for that. So remember all those great things. Mark them in your calendar. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for our young people in our church. We're thankful that uh, they're so active and doing so many things. We pray that you keep blessing in a mighty way. Dear Lord, as we take up this offering, we're thankful, dear God, for the giving of our church that makes it possible for us to do these things. We understand that the worship is also in the giving as well. And so, dear God, as we give, may we give with a cheerful heart. May we give to see God's kingdom expanded uh, and your work done as the gospel goes forth from this place. Dear God, again, help us to be faithful in what we do and uh, taking the gospel to this community in a real way. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. There shall be showers of blessing, this is the promise of love. There shall be seasons refreshing, sent from the Savior above. Showers of blessing, showers of blessings we need. Mercy drops round us or falling. But for the showers we plead, there shall be showers of blessing. 
precious reviving again over the hills and the valleys sound of abundance of rain showers of blessing showers of blessing we need mercy drops round us are falling but for the showers we plead our choir Come on up on this last verse. There shall be showers of blessing. Oh, that today they might fall. Now as to God we're confessing. Now as on Jesus we call. Showers of blessing. Showers of blessing we Round us, lean, but for the showers we plead. Amen. You may be seated. could I stand here and watch the sun rise follow the mountains where they touch the sky and ponder the vastness and the depths of the sea and to think for a moment the point of it all to make much of me cause I am a whisper and you are the thunder and I want to make much of you Jesus I want to make much of your love I want to live today to give you the
I hid from you, haunted by my failure, and found a God whose grace still covers me.
we delayed. He's still playing. I thought that was the end. Anyway, there it goes. All right, I got it now. Sorry, Derek. Normally, we're like right on the same page with that stuff. Okay. Uh, We kind of delayed Youth Sunday, uh, but aren't you glad to be a part of a church where it's kind of like Youth Sunday all the time? Our young people participate in the choir. Our young people are participating in different stuff. If you come to an event, if you come to an event, there's usually young people that worked in that event and did something, and so we praise the Lord for that. But just before the message, and we've got a special guest preacher for Youth Sunday, Pastor Gary Moore. Amen? He feels so privileged to be finishing out Youth Sunday because he's terribly young, you know. Do you remember when he used to say that? Do you, some of you remember that, don't you? But anyway. It was a long time ago is what he said. But no, we're, uh, we're just glad. And there was a lot going on around Christmas time. And so both of us were just like, you know, we're just going to preach this youth Sunday. We're not going to bring, we're just going to preach because we like to preach. I don't know if you can tell that, but your pastors like to preach. So anyway, I don't know if you like it, but we sure like it. Amen. But uh, right before the message, Tyler's going to sing a couple songs for you. Amen. i 
Take a moment and just praise the Lord for seeing me through another year on this world. Uh, the whole new year came by, and looking back on the whole year, I just can't help but think of God's goodness to me. I love that song the choir sings, uh, The Half Hasn't Been Told, because, man, if anybody would have told me what all that would have transpired since the day I got saved, I wouldn't have believed it. You know, you think, you, you think there's... Nothing better in the moment of getting saved and the rejoicing that happens during that. But, and there's nothing but hardship that comes after that. It feels like the devil comes and attacks you right out the gate. And it's just continual. But man, the blessings that come from all that. The blessings of walking with the Lord. And enjoying his goodness. Being able to see his goodness in all of it. Man, he's been good to me. And I don't understand it because there's been so many times that I've been in active rebellion against him, but he loves me anyway, and he forgives me for it, and he's faithful, and he's done so much for me in my life, opened up so many opportunities, and I'm going into this whole phase of life where college is soon to be over, and I'm moving into true adulthood. <laughs> scary enough uh, but man I'm just so thankful for everything God's done and uh, this song is called I Will Lift My Praise and uh, man sometimes in this life it can just be discouraging there's definitely been some of those times in my life where I've been downright discouraged uh, I remember the first time I had to deal with any health problems and realized that my youth meant nothing. My body was still like everybody else's. <laughs> uh, discouragement from jobs and other people, sometimes other people within the church, that's discouraging. Uh, but God is still so faithful through all of it. And man, I just can't, I, I, loved, I loved your message this morning, Pastor Mike, on how God loves us. And how crazy it is that he does that. And I just hope that I can really spend all my days being truly happy and just praising the Lord for loving me as he does. Sometimes in this life, you might get discouraged. You wonder if you're all 
just barely hanging on. Stop and remember all the things he's done for you. Just look up to Jesus and he will pull you through. So I will lift my praise to the one who goes before me. Lift my praise to the one who sets me free. If I'm on the mountain high or in the today and my tomorrow I'm not living without you so I'll give you every breath Lord use me as you will you made a way when there was no way I can't help but worship you so I will lift my praise to the one who goes before me lift my praise I'm on the mountain high or in the valley low. I will lift my praise for the world to know. I will lift my praise for the world to know. To know. I'm surrounded by your love, Lord. You're my healer through the pain. You're my savior, you're my anchor, my refuge through the storm. I can't help but speak your name, Lord. We're gonna praise forevermore. So I will lift my praise to the one who goes before me. Lift my praise to If I'm on the mountain high or in the valley low, I will lift my praise for the world to know. I will lift my praise for the world to know. To know. Amen. If you have your Bible, you can turn with me to Luke chapter number 2. And yes, I know that uh, 
that the uh, Christmas holiday is over, uh, but still we're going to be in Luke chapter number two for a little bit tonight. So uh, during the month of December, uh, I always try to preach uh, a Christmas type theme during that period of time. And this year, if you'll remember, we talked about Mary uh, at Christmas time. And so we're going to take a little bit more look at Mary. I am going to come back to the book of Isaiah. Uh, but before I do, I want a couple more looks at Mary uh, and uh, just studying about her a little bit. Uh, and I want to say something before I get started. Uh, there is a very, very good chance that I am not going to say anything tonight in the message that you've not already heard. Uh, this is not some great, uh, you know, brand new revelation kind of thing that we're going to be talking about when we look at Mary tonight. Uh, we're, we're just going to be uh, looking at things that we probably already know. Uh, it's probably already been brought out in several messages that we've heard. Uh, and yet, it's a great reminder, especially as we start the new year, uh, of things that we do need to remember. And so in the Gospel of Luke, chapter number 2, and we're going to begin reading in verse number 41... And we're going to read down to the uh, end of the chapter, verse number 52. And then we'll bring the message that the Lord's laid on my heart. It's been great to be in the house of the Lord today, hasn't it? It really, really has. Now, I know that uh, some people didn't make it out this morning because of the weather. And they were afraid of that. And I understand that. Uh, we appreciate that. And then I know that we're down a little bit tonight from a regular Sunday night crowd. And that's, that's okay, too, this time of year. Uh, it, the nights get dark fast, don't they? Uh, I mean, <laughs> we, uh, uh, we're, all, we're all looking for the sun, uh, and the sun doesn't come up until about 8, and then it goes down about 4.30. And so we're, you know, it's just a short, short days and long nights. Uh, and so I appreciate that. But for all of us that are here, praise the Lord. Amen. And it is a good crowd in, in spite of the fact that many are away. Uh, not able to be here tonight, but we're just going to take a little look uh, at some things about Mary uh, tonight and probably one more time before we go back to the book of Isaiah uh, as we consider uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus. So if you'll stand with us, please, in honor of the reading of the word of God. Verse number 41, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover and when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to be in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among the kinsfolk and acquaintance. And when they found him not, they turned back again to Jerusalem, seeking him, and it came to pass that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the doctors, both hearing them and asking them questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. And when they saw him, they were amazed, and his mother saith unto him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not that I must be about my father's business? And, where, and they understood not the saying which he spake unto them. 
And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject unto them. But his mother kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and statue and in favor with God and man. Dear Lord, we pray you'd help us in the understanding of your word tonight. And we ask that you might guide us and direct us. And the Lord, that we might glean some, something from it tonight that would help us and strengthen us in our daily walk with thee. We ask it all in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. Now, um, I know that this passage is usually a passage that we talk about Jesus, and, and we are going to mention that a little bit tonight. We talk about Jesus, and we talk about how that, you know, he astonished everybody with his wisdom. We also talk about the fact that he was there in the temple uh, with, the, uh, with the priest and, and, uh, and answering uh, questions and asking questions. And sometimes it amazes us at the questions people ask. You know, I mean, think about that. Sometimes we can learn a lot about someone, not just by their answers, but by the questions that they ask. And I know, I know I grew up in, in, in school and all of my teachers said they are, there's no dumb questions, but there are. <laughs> there really are. Sometimes people ask pretty dumb questions. And, uh, you know, nobody's laughing because you know it's true, I guess. But the, the real truth of the matter is, is that sometimes people ask a question and you immediately get an idea of what they're thinking and where they're going. And so it was not just the answers that Jesus gave. It was the questions that Jesus asked that astonished everybody. They were amazed uh, had his wisdom and ability and we we do talk a lot about these things and I'm sure we've heard a number of messages on this down through the years but but I want to center our attention a little bit on Mary tonight in this situation and this circumstance and to start that out I think we need to put ourselves in the context Michael has been very very good to remind us over and over again how important it is that we do something before we do something else and that is that we have an interpretation before we have an application. And if you're not careful, you can start applying before you have ever understood what it is that you've read. And so we're going to kind of put ourselves in the picture. Before we try to make any application, we're going to try to have a little bit of an interpretation of exactly what it is that's happening here. Now, this is a narrative. It's a story. And so it's a little easier, actually, uh, to find the proper interpretation when you're looking at a narrative than it is sometimes when you're reading Paul's theology. Amen? I mean, let's face it. Even Peter said that Paul wrote some stuff that's hard to understand. And, uh, and he did. And I'm going to tell you, Peter wrote some things that were pretty hard to understand too. Uh, and then we need, a proper, we need a proper interpretation of what the Bible is teaching us and saying to us before we can put that into application uh, in our lives. So I want to put this kind of in perspective. The first thing I want to mention by way of introduction is this. Jesus had a family. Sometimes we completely forget that. Jesus had a family. He had a mother uh, and he had a legal father, Joseph. Joseph might not have been, uh, and he wasn't, uh, the natural father of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was born of the Holy Spirit. We understand that. We know that. But for all intents and purposes in earth, 
Joseph was, was his father. I want you to kind of keep that in mind as we go along because it does have a little bit of bearing on some of the things that happen here. Joseph would have been his, uh, his legal father, his father as far as the world was concerned. So he had a mother and a father, but he also had siblings. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us, and you can turn there if you want to. We're in the Gospel of Luke. Uh, but if you want to turn back to the Gospel of Mark chapter number 6 and verse, beginning in verse number 1, we can read several passages of uh, several verses of Scripture there. Uh, chapter number 6 verses 1 to 4, it says this, And he went out from hence and came into his own country, and his disciples follow him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying... From whence hath this man these things? And what wisdom is this which is given unto him that even such mighty works are wrought by his hands? Now notice what is said in verse number three. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph and Judah and Simeon? And are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. But Jesus said unto them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country, and among his own kin, and in his own house. And notice that it says here he has four brothers. Uh, four brothers, uh, James and Joseph and Judah and Simeon. And then it said, And are not his sisters with, here with us? So that would indicate to us that he had at least Two sisters. Now, I, I kind of looked this up a little bit, and most everybody believes that he had four brothers and two sisters uh, in the family. And you can say half brothers and sisters if, if you like. Uh, I, I wouldn't look at it that way. I don't think Jesus looked at it that way. You say, oh, but his father wasn't Joseph. But the Bible says at the end of this passage of Scripture that they, when they went to Nazareth, it says that he was subject to them. Them. That would be Joseph and Mary. So Jesus obviously, evidently, followed the authority of Joseph, Joseph as if it was his father. Right? I mean, it seems very clear to that. And not only that, but I want you to think about something else that it says here. It says that, is not this the carpenter? I really love that, that phrase there. Because I've heard so many people talk that Jesus was the son of a carpenter, and he was in a sense that we've talked about it, that Joseph would have been his legal father. But the Bible says that, the Bible makes it very clear that he was a carpenter. They said, is this the carpenter? Now, why is that important? It's important for a couple of reasons, and I'm going to get to the application. Just hang on here a minute. But it's important for a couple of reasons. Number one, it's important because that's what the people of Nazareth thought of Jesus. Jesus was the local carpenter. That's what they thought of him. When they, and that's why they were offended by him. They said, isn't he a carpenter? What is a carpenter doing teaching from the scriptures? You know, that, why would he do that? We're still in Mark now. So why would, I, why would he do that? Why would we have this? Well, it's because he was a carpenter, but he was also a whole lot more. Amen. My grandfather was an electrician. His name was Mac, Mac Samuel Moore. He was an electrician. He was a good electrician. 
But I'll tell you, there was a whole lot more to Max Samuel Moore than being an electrician. If you ever heard him stand behind the pulpit and preach, if you ever went to a revival service where he prayed, if you ever spent any time with him, you would have known very quickly that there was a whole lot more to Mac Moore than just being an electrician. There was a whole lot more to Jesus than just being a carpenter. They didn't recognize it. They didn't see it. They didn't fully understand it. But there was a whole lot more to Jesus than what Nazareth knew of him, than what his friends and even his relatives knew of him. But I want to get back to this real quick because we, we, we want to move on. Uh, I, I want us to think about this. He, he had a family, and so he had four brothers. By the way, I, I know that James is mentioned first in this passage of Scripture, but I kind of feel like Joseph was probably the oldest of his brothers, and I'll tell you why I believe that. I, I believe that because the word Joseph is a form of the word Joseph. It's, the, it's actually, it, could, it could, would be considered the same name, and we see that a lot uh, in, in, in Bible names. Uh, and so Joseph is a, is a form of the name Joseph. And I want you to think, they were told by the angel to name Jesus, Jesus. They were, the angel said, his name shall be called Jesus. So when Jesus was born, they were going to name him Jesus. So maybe I'm wrong, but I just kind of got a feeling that Joseph wanted to name his, old, his oldest son other than Jesus after him. You, you, don't, you don't normally give the second or third son, uh, you know, the, uh, the, the, the name of the father or call him the second. You know, that doesn't normally happen. It's usually the oldest that gets that name. It just kind of works out that way. Uh, and I think that may very well have been, but it has absolutely nothing to do with the message. I was just thinking about it the other day as I was studying this. But I want you to think about this. So he had, he had four brothers and at least two sisters. And he's 12 years old at the time that he goes up to Jerusalem in this passage. And now we're back in Luke. You can flip back over to Luke. So now we're back in Luke and they're, and they're going up to Jerusalem and he's only 12 years old. But I have a feeling that at least some of this family besides Jesus is already born. If Jesus is 12... Uh, and he has four brothers and two sisters by the time he's 30, I would have to say he probably has at least two or three brothers and a sister uh, by the time they go up to Jerusalem. Now, I want us, and I'm going to take the scripture very literally here, okay? We're, we're, we're about to start our application, but before we do, I want to take a couple more looks at the interpretation. So we're going to take the scripture very literally here. So let's look at the first verse that we read, verse number 41, and it says, Now his parents, notice what it says, went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. So I want to read that again, because we're going to take it very literally. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. So Joseph would have went up every year no matter what, because it was required of the men to go up to the Passover. So all of the men would have made that trip every year. But the Bible doesn't say that Joseph went up in previous years. The Bible said that they, the two of them, went up every year. So I, I'm going to have to say that we would expect then that Mary went every year. So from, the, from the time that Jesus was about three years old and onward, that would have been when they got back to Nazareth. From the time that he was about three years old and onward, we are just to assume then that 
Joseph and Mary went together. And if Joseph and Mary went together, then no doubt they carried their children with them. That's what they normally would do. At the time of, uh, at the time of Christ, uh, at the time that he was born, uh, it was customary for the men to go up every year uh, to the Passover, but it was customary from time to time for families to go up to the Passover and especially this year and I'm going to talk about that just in a minute so entire families would go up when the year was special but from but otherwise the men would go but it seems that Mary had such a close uh, relationship with her husband Joseph and with the rest of her family that she was that they were all going up together year after year now you might not think this has anything to do with the application but I hope that by the time we're done you'll see that it does so he was he was now let's look at the, uh, what we're saying about Jesus. So now Jesus goes up, and he was, a, he was 12 years old. So there's something special happening in the life of Jesus in this year. From the time that he goes up to Jerusalem this year, and then in the time of the next Passover, Jesus will have become a man. Because at 13 years and one day, a Jewish boy is considered to be a man. Thirteen years and one day, not on his birthday, but the next day, the day, the day after his thirteenth birthday, thirteen years and one day, he becomes a man. Now, that sounds kind of odd to us. You mean he's going to go out and get a job? Well, in a sense, he probably would because it would be at this point in time that they would begin any kind of an apprenticeship that they might have. Uh, at 13 years old, 12 years old, they would was typically when they would start their apprenticeship, right around 12 years old. Uh, if, they were, if he was going to be a carpenter, which he evidently was, then he would have begun this year uh, being an apprentice with his father. So that was special. And then there's this, this idea that he's going to become a man. What does it mean to become a man? Well, this is something very interesting. And you know what? I never really thought about it until I was studying this. And like I say, you may have heard this before. Uh, you probably have. But it really just dawned on me while I was thinking about this. So most of my life... Uh, you know, I've heard that, uh, that we're protected by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ until we reach the age of accountability. You ever heard that? If you're Baptist, you probably did. I mean, we, you know, we, we, that's just what we were taught growing up. Could I tell you that it has its roots in the Jewish tradition? And that is when a boy becomes 13 years old, then he is considered accountable for his faith accountable for his faith it's not so much that he was expected to earn a living or to get up and go to work every day or that that he was now you know physically mature enough to be a man that's that's not what it's about when he was 13 years old he was considered accountable in his faith and that meant that if he was going to be a Sadducee or a Pharisee or if he was going to seek a, a, a certain office or a certain uh, area of study then this is the time that he would begin that study he would choose what kind of a Jew he was going to be he made that choice I don't know how many times I've heard my dad say and 
not necessarily from the pulpit, but in talking to people. And I, I, don't mean, I, I can't count the number of times I heard him say, well, I believe that the age of cal- accountability for most people is somewhere around 12 years old, 12 years old. I've heard, I heard him say that over and over and over again. I, I, I never even made the connection until very recently studying this passage of Scripture, thinking, by the way, that I might preach it during the Christmas month. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, I, it, it, it really hit me. that Now, why is this important? I'll tell you why it's important. If Mary left her children with a relative, a female relative, when she went with Joseph every year to Jerusalem for the Passover, she wouldn't have left them behind this year. Because this is the year her firstborn son becomes a man. This is his year. This is his time. The next time he goes to Jerusalem, he's going to be over 13 years old. He's going to have reached the full age of accountability in the faith. Now, I want you to keep that in mind, okay? Because now we're ready to start making the application. Here we go. First thing I want you to notice is this. The Bible says, verse number 43... And when they had fulfilled the days, that would have been the full eight days of the Passover. And when they had fulfilled the days, as they returned, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they sought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance. So I want you to think about this. This is a special year. However many children Joseph and Mary have, and I'm going to suggest that they had at least four or five. He's 12 years old now. And so they're going to have at least four or five kids. And they're on their way, and they're all going together, right? And they're all going, no doubt, with cousins and aunts and uncles. They're all going from Nazareth, and they're all going to Jerusalem together. And so it's real easy to understand how they might lose one. They lost Kevin, didn't they? They left him behind. Didn't they leave Kevin? They even counted one, two, three, four, five. They still left him. They left Jesus because they supposed him to be among the brethren. They thought Kevin was in the group, but he wasn't there. But there's another reason, too. Jesus is the oldest of the brethren, right? He's the oldest. What what do we think about the oldest? Oh, they're the most responsible. Listen, my sister June, she is in charge wherever she goes because she's the oldest. And my, uh, we used to kid her and say, yeah, you're the oldest in the family. And then one day my dad said, no, June is my number one. And let me tell you, every time I see June these days, she reminds me that, hey, I was dad's number one. <laughs> I was dad's number one. She was, she was in charge because she was the oldest. So you would have expected Jesus to kind of be in charge of the other children because he's the oldest, and yet he's the one who's staying behind. The point I'm making is don't start criticizing Joseph and Mary because they didn't know. You know, they, I've heard it said, and, and rightfully so, they lost the Son of God. They, they, they left him behind. So the reason I said that 
is because I'm afraid sometimes we do too. We lose the Son of God. We, we just kind of leave him behind. We just kind of suppose that he's with us. I mean, we're, we're making our journey. We're, everybody knows where we're going. The Lord certainly knows where we're going. And so we just run off ahead of the Lord. And then we realize one morning when we open our Bible and we read our passage for that day, we start to pray, we suddenly realize the Lord's not really with me. I, just, I felt his presence a lot more real last week. A month ago, I was, I was holding my hand up and praising his name and the congregation of the Lord. And now I feel cold and, and indifferent. You can leave the Lord behind. Sometimes you can leave the Lord behind and not even know it. Not even be aware. Never even dawned on you that you were leaving him behind. That's what happened here. They, they left him behind. They didn't even realize it. But then I want you to think about something else, and we're going to kind of finish with this. Look at verse uh, number 48. When they, uh, when they came back, and by the way, I want to put something in here. It says that after three days. So I want you to count the three days the way they would have counted the three days. All right? I don't want you to misunderstand. The Bible said they went a day's journey, right? So they spent the night after going a day's journey from Jerusalem. That's day one. Then they get up the next morning and they travel back to Jerusalem. That's day two. And then they get up on the next morning and that's day three. And that's where they found him in the temple. This idea that they searched all over, all over Jerusalem before they went to the temple, I think is foolishness. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But I just, I think it's foolishness. I think Mary knew where he was. I, I think she knew where he was. I think when they were going back, Joseph said, where do you think we should look for him? I think she said, we're going to look for him in the temple. Well, why should we look for him in the temple? And she looked at Joseph and she said, who is he? Who is Jesus? And Joseph went, oh, yeah. Now, I know I'm doing a little speculation here, but I'm telling you, they were real people. These are not characters in a novel. These are people from history. Joseph and Mary went back, and they literally actually found Jesus in the temple. And if it actually happened, then I believe that's the way it happened. Because she knew where to look for she, 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 she didn't go off someplace else. She knew exactly where to find her son. And you say, well, how do you know this? Well, let's just take a look at a couple of things. It says, and when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. Now, I told you I was going to come back to this about Joseph being his father. Notice what? Mary says to Jesus she says to Jesus Jesus your father and I your father and I we've sought you sorrowing it's really interesting that Mary is doing the talking here you would have think 
you would have thought that it would have been Joseph because he's the Jewish head of the household. And we may not have it much here in the United States anymore, but I'm telling you, in ancient times, and especially in Jewish households, the man was the head of the household, and you would have expected him to be doing the talking, but it wasn't him, it was Mary. Why was it Mary? I think it was Mary for several reasons, but primarily I think it was Mary because she was the one who knew where to find him. And when she did find him, she said, why, why, did, you, why did you do this, Jesus? You, you knew we would be sorrowing. You knew we would be sorrowing. And, he, and Jesus seems oblivious, doesn't he? Now, Jesus is never oblivious to anything, right? But he seems to be. He said unto them, how is it you sought me? Wished ye not that I must be about my father's business? They understood not the saying which he spake unto them. Now look at this. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. Now notice this. But his mother, that would be Mary, kept all these sayings in her heart. But his mother all these sayings in your heart I, I have a feeling you know we all talk about we want to talk to Elijah or we want to talk to Peter or we want to talk to Paul I'm telling you you better talk to Mary Mary knew a lot she knew a lot the Bible said she took it all in she pondered these things in her heart. You know what that really means? It means she meditated on the things she heard her son say. She meditated on the things that she heard her son say. Don't you think that's a real good idea? Meditate on the things that Jesus says? Whatever is in the Word of God, don't you think it's time we meditated on it? That we pondered it in our heart? I got to tell you, I, I pondered a couple of things earlier in this passage over and over and over again, thinking about this message. I mean, I just, I thought about it and thought about it and thought about it. And I, I will tell you this. If you meditate on the Word of God, it may deepen your faith. It may strengthen your wisdom. It, it, it might even bring you a lot of comfort. But regardless of what it does or, do, uh, or does not do in your life, if you meditate on the Word of God, you will never regret it. You'll never Man, I, I wasted all afternoon just thinking about the Word of God. You won't say that. It won't come out of your mouth. Not, not in a serious fashion. If you are thinking and meditating on the Word of God, it is time well spent. It is time that you will be so glad that you spent. Because let me tell you, the more you meditate on the Word of God and the words of Christ, the closer you sense his presence and the nearer you are to Jesus Jesus the fuller your joy in this life the closer you walk to the Savior 
the better you know him, the more you sense his, his power in your life, I'm telling you, the more your life will be filled with joy. My wife and I were talking about it the other day, and I'm about ready to close here. My wife and I were talking about it the other day. As a matter of fact, we say this to each other a lot these days. And Tyler was talking about it just a minute ago. Lord, it's been so good to us. You probably have no idea how much I love this church. You have no clue. I'm telling you, this is the greatest church in America. And I mean it. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not whistling Dixie. I mean it from the bottom of my heart. For me, I would rather have this church as my church home than the church I grew up with when I was a child. The church that my father pastored for 30 years. Lawrenceville, Georgia. I'd, I'd rather be here than the church that I had the glorious opportunity to serve at in Wales as much as I loved that church, and I did. I love this church. Why? Because I believe that God gave me this. God, God gave me this congregation to have a part with your life. I watch you grow up. Did you know it? You didn't mind. I knew it. And when I asked him to pray, he bowed that little red head of his, and he started calling on God the way he did a man. It was all I could do to hold back the tears. It, I'm serious. You say, why? Because maybe I'm wrong. But somehow I feel like maybe I've had just a tiny little part helping the spiritual growth of that family if I haven't that's alright because I got to see it happen amen I got, to, I got to watch it take place and I'm telling you and when you meditate on God's word all these truths become real to you and all the power of God begins to be evident to you and you don't get it by accident she kept all these things and she pondered them in her heart she meditated on the words of Jesus let me tell you something we're starting a brand new year there's nothing better that you could do than to say Lord this year this year I want to spend a little more time in the word and I want it to mean a little bit more to me never meant, meant before I'm 67 years old I plan to spend a little more time in the word and I believe it will mean a little bit more to me if I do than ever before in my life because when you meditate on God's word he does something in your life Mary could say to the servants that day at the wedding, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Why could she say that with such confidence? Because she had heard his words. She had kept them in her heart. She had meditated on them. And she knew who Jesus was. So she could say with confidence, whatever he says to you, you do it. 
because she knew it to be true. Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to look in the Word of God tonight. Lord, we pray that you would take the Word of God. And Lord, that you might plant it deep in our heart. It's a seed that we want it to grow. And so, Lord, we pray you'd plant it deep in our heart. And Lord, we pray that it might grow up and spring forth like a mighty tree in our life. Lord, that we might lean upon and find strength from and guide us from the very Word of God. And that the words of Jesus might be the words that we meditate on day in and day out in our life. Then, dear Lord, we'll be careful to give you the praise for it's none of us and it's all of you. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. What shall we sing? How oh, deep the Father's love for us. How vast beyond all measure that He would give His only Son to make a wretch his treasure how great the pain of searing loss the father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one bring me sons to glory. Behold the man upon the cross, my sin upon his shoulders, ashamed